Uh, welcome everybody to the next edition of Supply Chain Next. Really excited here to uh, have uh, Diane Finkhausen uh, on, on the line. She's going to do an introduction in a second. She's got an incredible career in uh, digital transformation, leading in one place. Uh, and so welcome, welcome, Diane. Thank you, Richard. This is uh, it's just super excited to be here and, um, and have loved your podcast series and um, honored to be a part of it. Thank you. Ah, well, the, the, the honor is all our, uh, ours to have you on here. So, um, you know, we got introduced, you know, again, yet, yet again via LinkedIn, a very powerful community as we're getting thought leaders in the place of supply chain and digitization platforms. <clears throat> you popped right up and it was an offshoot of the Jeff Parker uh, uh, relationship. So that's great. So let me, let me just jump right in and get started. Um, would love to, and I'm sure everyone here would love to know a little bit about you and, you know, who you are and kind of, you know, walk us through your career a little bit, kind of the, the, the highlights. Sure, sure. Um, well, I, uh, I am CEO of a consulting firm called Shoshamworks, and, um, and we are really um, helping large enterprise really investigate the power of ecosystems and platform operations and, um, and transform their operations with those tools. So um, Shoshamworks is, is my current venture and um, having a lot of fun with that, working with some really impressive teams. On digital transformation. Um, if we look back through my career, I, uh, I really just um, have exited GE after a 23-year stint there in various uh, marketing and product and business leadership roles. And, um, and really throughout that time, my, really my career signature has always been to design and, and scale high-impact business model innovation. Um, I've been fortunate to have worked with some amazing, brilliant minds with my teams, my collaborators, and my clients on some of the most interesting and impactful um, work that GE was doing. I, uh, I started my journey there in financial services. I moved into connected vehicles, then to connected equipment with the digital transformation effort, and then most recently in the connected expert space, so expert ecosystem. So um, my, my passion has always been working with business ecosystems and platform operations in order to optimize performance and, uh, and really elevate the human experience using technology to help people be more successful and, uh, and, and enjoy their, the work that they were doing um, much more. So uh, it's been Absolutely. a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Well, again, great, great introduction, great background. And 23 years at GE, you must have seen an incredible evolution, not only for yourself, because I mean, I look through your LinkedIn profile, and as I look at the kind of CV as you describe it, I mean, it was sort of this natural evolution that brought you to platform. So kind of the first question really kind of getting into this is the parallel, like, you know, how, how did your progression at track against GE as a company in how they were kind of reviewing technology, kind of evolving in the platform, and how is that a proxy for the kind of world at large? Yeah, really, um, very, very astute question. My my career progression at GE um, was very closely aligned with GE's journey um, at the time. Which what a fascinating time to have been at GE. Um, there, that chapter in GE's story has just been absolutely fascinating. The the shift from a an iconic um, industrial organization to a really a, a maverick in the digital transformation space. GE really um, was very bold in their aspirations and their operations to shift enterprise-wide from a 
an industrial company, a, a very well-performing industrial company to a digital industrial company. And they placed a lot of bets and took a lot of risks. And, uh, you know, I, I applaud the leadership for their courage and their conviction. And uh, as we all know, it's been a very interesting time for GE, a lot of change, a lot of turbulence. But I do believe that GE is going to come out a a very strong and agile and formidable um, organization as as they've really focused that um, kind of that that power into the business units so that they have that that proximity to their customers. But um, but my own career progression has um, has really followed that that journey. I I have um, I began my really my career at GE in a very traditional business, financial services, which um, you know, was became very highly regulated in 2008, 2009. You saw that the regulatory environment change, and um, and really the financial services industry itself is a very data rich industry. And uh, and so I, I I moved during that time moved into a software business within GE Capital that started to harness that the the concept of of big data and um, convert that into decision support tools for our clients and I at that point that was my my first step over into true platform operations managing true true platform operations and I I was hooked I I haven't looked back um, I have I've grown kind of um, a very strong passion for working with ecosystems and leveraging platform-based operations to transform business performance. It's, it's just, um, it's liberating what you can achieve if you start to overlay the digital thread on um, traditional legacy operations. Well, that's, that's in, in, in so, so well articulated and kind of building on that and double clicking. That seems to be when we talk about the decade of the digitization of the supply chain or the decade of the supply chain, which really is a proxy for the digitization of the enterprise, right? I mean, we're still kind of wherever we are on that journey in the early stages of that journey. So as you went through that, not only in your career progression, but then also witnessing in with GE, I know people would love to hear about what were the sort of initial major challenges in either, you know, GE itself or, you know, the company or divisions, whatever, beginning to digitize and how did they get started? How did they overcome? Like what, what practical steps did you learn along the way that then now becomes a part of even your consulting practice? Because those, those are the nuggets that I think people would really love to sort of glam on. Sure, sure. Um, it, GE, I think um, the GE journey is, is a really good playbook, um, lesson book, right? both lessons learned and, and, and best practices for, for legacy organizations that are trying to determine what digital needs to mean for them. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll kind of focus there because I think a lot of the digital native organizations born digital um, really have an advantage over legacy incumbent organizations because they're not, they're not running two playbooks. Mm-hmm. They're not running the, um, kind of the legacy operations and trying to overlay the digital mm-hmm. on that. So that really is where GE found itself. It it had to run um, high kind of high volume, highly complex legacy operations in a way that didn't break what what we had committed to 
delivering to the customers. We, we had to maintain high quality, high throughput legacy operations and then assess what of the digital landscape was applicable and valuable to our, the value that we could bring to our customers. So you almost had to parallelize um, your efforts and, um, and create on-ramps for the digital operations as you started to um, either integrate or retire kind of legacy operations, analog um, legacy operations. Um, and that, and that so, description, by the way, sorry to jump in on that one, but the description that you provide, mm-hmm. you know, the, the legacy uh, applications that are core or fundamental that cannot fail as you are digitizing them. Well, that speaks immediately to supply chain. I mean, that's one of those organizations that kind of falls in that category. And as you're kind of going yeah. into that and you've got these on-ramps and things like that, like, you know, again, double-clicking on that, what, what, I mean, how, how, how do you build that? How, do you, how did you learn not only what to do, but like what not to do, right? I mean, most, you must have yeah. seen the what not to do a number of times, right? <laughs> That's what a lot of people are <laughs> trying to like, figure out, like, well, how do I avoid the mistakes? Like, what, 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 what were some of the key, key nuggets in that? Yeah, yeah. Um, goodness, so many. So yeah. um, the, the first and foremost, what, what you have to address is mindset. Mm. Um, and once, once you kind of reshape mindset, then you can dig into methodology. Mm. But, um, but it, what, when you're working, in, um, working with incumbent organizations <clears throat> that have been very successful and the professionals within, you know, very tenured, very successful careers, um, suggesting that there is perhaps another and more fruitful path, right, mm-hmm. for their operations can, um, you know, that, that can be challenging, right? Mm-hmm. If, they're, if the, um, the professionals and the operations are, have been successful, then they tend to rely on what they know, who they know, and what they've done in order to continue that success. But, but you have to change the mindset before you can change the tra- trajectory and the behaviors. So you, you really have to um, work on kind of building the trust and the understanding within the culture and before you can start to apply new technologies, new partnerships, new models, and um, new operations. Is, is there so something about that mindset, mm-hmm. though? Sorry to jump in a little bit, because again, I think that's a key <clears throat> trying to yeah. kind of, you know, uh, uh, extract, you know, if there's any, like, if you... If you psychologically were going into a group of people and like, okay, you guys have been doing, you know, whatever it is, uh, operations or supply chain for the last 30 years, you've been super successful at it, you, you do a great job, but now we're about to digitize. How do you get them psychologically to kind of, a, you know, what is that mindset? Is it, is, is there some characteristic there that you've witnessed? Is there a commonality that, that people need to have? Yeah, you know, it's um, the, the biggest challenge that, that I've found is um, working with like I said, either highly technical professionals or highly, you know, seasoned professionals who, who are basically hard coded to do things, you know, a, a certain way. Um, what I've, what I've found can be very successful, very effective is working at two layers in the organization, um, making sure that you have executive air cover, executive support for the change that's needed. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that conversation needs to be outcomes focused. You need to show them the, the art of the possible, you know, where, where, what outcomes they could achieve if they were to take a different tack. And, um, and then you have to work with the basically two layers down in the organization, but the line item managers who own the budgets, 
own the performance targets and and you really just you have to show them um, kind of case studies of their peers mm-hmm. in in my in my experience if you if you show them what can be achieved what has been achieved by relevant and um, uh, similar cohorts mm-hmm. right so if you're talking to a supply chain leader show them what other supply chain leaders have been able to achieve with the new model, with the new technology. And, uh, and then they can see their own pain, their own opportunities in the examples of others, trusted cohorts. Um, so, you know, there are obviously a lot of techniques, but, um, but some of the greatest challenges that, that can stall or um, thwart an attempt is, um, are rooted in the mindset of very successful and very, um, seasoned professionals. Yep. And, and I think, uh, I, I know I've, I've experienced that directly myself in my own career and some of the transformations that I've gone through. And that's always, it's always change management, right? At a, at a macro level, right? We're talking about change management in any organization, whether it's digital or otherwise. Yeah. Has to start with, mm-hmm. you know, the mindset and, you know, maintaining or <clears throat> having an openness to change. Sounds simple to say, but really hard to do, uh, especially when you've got tried yeah. methodologies for sure. Now, now, kind of going in, in 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 that vein, so you've kind of got the mindset, you know, you got to focus on that, and then, you know, and there's a playbook that's obviously kind of forming up in this dialogue here. But then, now that you've got the mindset kind of there, you've identified it, you've been able to kind of you know work it to where it's it's open to change. How, how did you see then, certainly across the different areas that you were, like what was then that next step that kind of transpired? Yeah, so. Again, in my experience, what um, what I will typically do is we'll look at the high value kind of business operations, the operational system, mm-hmm. and um, just step back from them. So so often the the professionals that are running the operations are are so close to the operations, they're heads down and they are focused on high quality throughput and getting you know getting the job done. If you have the luxury of stepping back and looking at an overall business system and saying, okay, um, what are the the legacy assumptions and constraints mm-hmm. that are governing this operating system that may no longer need apply? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's question question set number one. Looking mm-hmm. at the the traditional default assumptions and and constraints and seeing what what can be removed in order to generate better performance. And then the second um, set of investigations is um, pertains to new emerging technology, new emerging business models that could could be configured into that business operating system once again to transform the performance, mm-hmm. the the outcomes of that business system. And and so that requires the solution to be highly cont- contextualized. But if you're looking at the overall system. You can you can start to um, kind of unlock hidden value that that is embedded in that system, but constrained by legacy uh, kind of performance governance systems. So, and, and and again, phenomenal, almost like three-step kind of program here, right? So, change the mentality, uh, focus on a process map, or you know, identify kind of the steps that are already existing today, and you know, then begin to analyze them with sort of fresh eyes. Uh, and then when you layer in the digital solutions, begin to collect data that helps advance you even further in, in, in further iterations that kind of comes after them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I was going to jump in and tack onto that because, because now it almost leads into then right away, which is now we're kind of getting into the, the, the uh, 
the conclusion here is then more than likely the adoption of platforms. And, and so I'm kind of coming back now to sort of the 50,000 foot view of how platforms are playing as the, the new, new thing. But, but, you know, if you are in an enterprise and if you are in this digitization kind of effort, well, you are naturally going to be led to a selection of platform, either deploy within your enterprise or interconnect within your enterprise to begin to paint that full picture. So, you know, in your words and your thinking, you know, how have platforms become the, you know, the new, new thing? Like it's, it's no longer about legacy software, it's platforms and platforms. I mean, I'll ask the question, I have an opinion, but to me, it feels like platforms are, that, that's all you should be thinking about. Like, how do, you, how do you paint picture? Like, what is a platform and why is this the rage? And why do enterprises have to be thinking along platforms and platform strategies? I mean, that's platform strategy is almost synonymous with your uh, digitization strategy, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so exciting. Um, really, what, um, what business strategists should be doing, to your point, and, and you see this too, they, they should be stepping back and not defaulting to their traditional playbook. They should look at their business priorities, you know, on, on an annual basis and, and say, okay, what do I need to accomplish this year? What of those priorities can actually be achieved through a digital means? right? So start with digital first. From there, say, okay, of, of the remaining activities that require a human touch, what can be achieved through flexible resources, i.e. not fixed resources? Mm-hmm. And start to really um, think in a comprehensive way about how you can leverage expert ecosystems mm-hmm. in order to um, run your, your business plays. And then third, and, and lastly, then start to think about what full-time employees you actually need to have on book, on staff, in order to run the run all of those plays, orchestrate all those plays. Mm. So you really need to invert the resourcing um, playbook so that you start with digital first, flex next, and then and only then what what core strategic full-time employees do you need to have on staff? in order to orchestrate that book of activity. So that's that's um, kind of paradigm number one. Paradigm number two, the the platform, to your point, the, the platform capability is is really should be the new operating model for many businesses. Um, it it um, the the platform approach to delivering operations gives you the ability to weave a digital thread across the entire landscape of business activities, capture data, which then can then be transformed into decision support tools that will make your operators uh, more successful as the system learns and can help automate a lot of those activities. So if you think about the, the maturity, cur- maturity curve as you start to introduce platform operations that are informed by the data that you're collecting, you can connect your knowledge assets in platform operations or nested platform operations. Um, you can then step up to more distributed and automated decision-making across the enterprise, removing gatekeepers and, and roadblocks. Then you can step up once the, once the knowledge assets and the decision authority becomes more distributed and, and better informed, you can revisit your operations and start to really um, remap and automate broad scale workflows. And as the system learns, you can then optimize, right? Create a self-learning system that, that feeds off of all of 
that data that you're collecting across the entire work system, and uh, and you can you can optimize your operations using that data and the algorithms that um, that will improve decisions, operations, and outcomes. Got it. That's again fabulously laid out. You know, perfect kind of sequence. And that you know, as I, as I listen to that. <clears throat> And I was thinking in my head here, there's almost like a slide that I can envision that you do in your consulting practice to sort of give people the advantages of platforms versus sort of legacy thinking or legacy enterprise, something like that. You just, you just sort of went through that. And that talks about the advantages that the enterprise would, would benefit from in adopting a platform. But if we look forward to, there's another part of it, and I'm sure you thought about this too, which is the platform itself, right, as a, as a, as a, as a, third-party entity that is oftentimes, if not always, multi-tenant becomes even smarter with more adoption from multiple enterprises, right? And you get the benefit of not only your own enterprise digitizing, but then you get the collective benefit of the multi-tenancy of a platform. Do do you talk to people about that? I mean, is that too far into the future for people to really kind of latch on to? No, it's uh, it's here today. And uh, and those multi-tenant platforms are so powerful. And um, and a, a good steward of a, a marketplace like that will um, will be able to distribute information and um, facilitate track transactions in a way that that basically all boats rise in in that marketplace. Mm. And uh, and this is where I think we if we start to look back to supply chain specifically a, a marketplace approach to supply chain is I think a natural and in obvious evolution of supply chain, uh, marketplace approaches to supply chain are um, it, it's it they just begin to remove some of the more rigid constraints mm. of the traditional supply chain relationships, and a marketplace model for supply chain gives supply chain professionals the ability to access the knowledge, the the solutions, the outcomes, the assets in a broader community of solution providers much more quickly, much more cost-effectively, with greater precision in the way they source and route opportunities. Um, and uh, really a, a good marketplace uh, orchestrator mm-hmm. will, um, will have the appropriate safe, safeguards in place, but will make sure that, that the community benefits from higher velocity, higher precision transactions. Right, right. Oh, well, I mean, you, can, um, you, you, um, you can come run marketing for me. Uh, <laughs> that was perfect. That was really amazing. Uh, um, no, seriously, that, 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 and, 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 and sort of, again, double clicking on that. And I think that's one of the things. <clears throat> so when you're out specifically with your, you know, kind of, you know, running your organization, you're collaborating with Jeff uh, Parker, author of Platform Revolution, you guys kind of have this think tank, you know, and you in particular, like, as you're looking forward, as you're kind of advising companies and enterprises, you know, domestically and internationally on this, and you know, here's how you kind of begin, you know, here's the advantages that you get. What what else you're seeing in the future of platforms? Like, how do you see the world of platforms evolving over the next, you know, five, six, seven years? Um, as certainly as it more and more enterprises take on a platform strategy, which is synonymous with their basically their IT or application strategy. <clears throat> how do you see the platforms themselves? evolving how do you see the world of platforms changing like you know in seven or eight years because uh, it's gonna be a different landscape especially in the enterprise space as they are taking on all the you know as they're transitioning to 
more, uh, pretty much all platforms, quite frankly, right? If you looked at the ratio today, it's probably whatever, you know, let's make something up 95% application, 5% platforms. It's not right. But eventually in seven, eight, nine years, it's going to be, you know, 98% platforms, 2% legacy applicants. You know, how, how do the platforms themselves, right. how do you see them changing in the future? What's that world look like to you? Yeah, to me, I, I think we're, we're all really focused on um, the changing behaviors mm. and, and um, facilitating high value transactions, uh, you know, within well curated ecosystems. Mm-hmm. And, and that is such an important shift and, and monumental shift for business today. Right. If you look at it from a macro sense mm-hmm. um, in the future, I would envision that these these marketplaces become um, deep repository of just really wells of high value information um, that that can be um, converted into meaningful insights and decision support tools for for the community um, members. Mm-hmm. Right. There, there is so much rich data that is um, dropping into the pools underneath these marketplaces that can help people make better decisions regarding who they're connecting with mm-hmm. for what types of business outcomes mm-hmm. um, in and how that that engagement is structured and what the exchange of value, i.e. price, what the market price is. All of this data um is I think being captured today or should be um, captured in these marketplace transactions and, and can inform uh, basically a, a digital interface for the marketplace membership mm-hmm. that will drive better decisions, better engagement structures and better outcomes. So mm-hmm. learning systems, marketplaces will evolve into learning systems. Oh, okay. So, and this is, this is actually where I think you can bring in where you know, buzzwords that people always kind of hear about today, technology, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning. Um, that's where that begins to actually uh, uh, manifest, right, in the future. Because the, the the machine learning and the artificial intelligence, when layered on to what you described, that rich data, now all of a sudden you have, <clears throat> you know, self-aware platforms or systems starting to, you know, give you back proactively insights, right? You don't have to exactly call through the information itself, but you can't get to AI or machine learning until you have the digitization in play, the platform adoption in play, adoption by people using those platforms, then you can get to artificial intelligence. Right, right. Because I think, and, and I'm That's wondering right. if you see the same thing in your practice as you talk to people about, because it's almost like it's a stepping stone to AI and, and, and machine learning, right? To, to, to follow the track that you're outlining in, in platform adoption, right? Because um, you can't leap into artificial intelligence and machine learning without, you know, digitizing and moving the platform. Yeah, exactly. I, I think so. I, I think so. Is that what you're seeing as well? Or, or what are you seeing? You have a great vantage point in the industry. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, from my vantage point and certainly going back to my here, you know, uh, experience here in, in the Valley and certainly at eBay and then coming in and building Requis is exactly that, right? Is, you know, people right now are, you know, it, it's buzzwords, right? Everyone's like out looking for blockchain or machine learning yeah. or artificial intelligence. That, trust me, it's awesome. I'm a biggest fan of all of that stuff. But you can't realize that until the foundation set. And the foundation is predicated exactly. on some sort of, digitization of everything which is is you know, i'm not saying that to be non-specific but just like you described like you gotta you gotta really dig in and digitize your assets digitize your workflows digitize everything that's inside of the the environment then 
through that, you, through that digitization, you move into a platform where you have multi-tenancy. And again, you, you said so, so well, all of this well of information and data. At that point, you can introduce AI, uh, nascent AI technologies to begin to, as you put it, self-learn. So the platform begins to have AI capabilities built into it to start to begin to itself become intelligent, right? Um, exactly. and, that, and that's the process that you need to get there. But people, I don't think, know the sort of sequential steps that need to happen. They sort of are already talking like, well, what's your AI strategy? So, well, if you don't have a digitization and platform strategy, you'll never get to the AI. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. It is, um, you know, it, it's a journey that will probably happen quickly, but, but it has to happen sequentially. You, right. you have to build the foundation and, and then just work your way. And some will get there faster than, than others, but, um, but it, I think is inevitable an inevitable, inevitable progression mm-hmm. of um, kind of where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you, let me, let me bring it to sort of real time. So how are you taking your firm? Like you spun out, you've created a, you're an entrepreneur yourself. You're the CEO of a, of a new company and you're collaborating with, you know, Jeff and team uh, and Peter uh, Evans, you know, to do some of this stuff. Like what are you guys focusing on as you look forward with your engagements with enterprise? Like how are you bringing this, platform strategy to them like what 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 are you guys actually doing you know it's um it's so it's so fascinating um as you mentioned i joined i joined the platform strategy institute with uh with jeff and marshall uh this past fall um i was just a um a serious fangirl of the the book that they wrote platform mm-hmm. revolution and it's an awesome uh, book too and oh my goodness yeah it's uh mine has post-it notes throughout the entire book but um but i am um, i really i as I read it, it resonated with me. It, it was so, um, so closely aligned to kind of the, the journey that we were on at GE. And, um, and I, when I talked to them, um, just the, the conversations that they were having across the industry at large, um, you know, we're, we're learning from some of the, the best of breed platform strategists and operators, people mm-hmm. that are, are scaling and learning in real time, how platform operations can transform and upend industries. Mm. But then, you know, we're, we're also able to, um, kind of aggregate those learnings and combine it with deep research of our own to help others who are either building platform businesses or transforming legacy businesses with platforms. Um, so we're, what we're trying to do is combine deep research of our own with um, kind of a uh, an industry conversation to to help individual businesses understand how they can divine their own platform strategy and scale their own platform business. Mm-hmm. So we've to to that end, we've we've launched a number of multi-client studies that are uh, targeting some very strategic questions in the platform um, business. Starting with talent strategies, we have a, a research program underway that is investigating the, the landscape, the, the very competitive landscape for platform talent mm-hmm. and helping organizations um, think about how to develop their own talent strategy if they want to launch a, a platform business. So that's one study. Mm-hmm. Another study that, um, that we have launched uh, is focusing on um, basically how you can leverage platform capabilities to drive a deeper and richer experience for your 
your ecosystem, your mm -hmm. customers, your employees, and, and your collaborators. And, um, and then to that end, another study that, that we have launched is um, how to translate that deep experience that is platform enabled, um, but really focus in on how you can tune your um, a, a sonic layer of your brand strategy. So how can you use sound to enhance the, the brand experience of your ecosystem, your employees? Can you, can you overlay sound in the digital experience of your employees to improve productivity and wellness. Um, your customers now have a range of digital touch points with your brand, uh, interacting with your brand. Most of those touch points are either transactional or visual. Can you overlay a layer of sound to improve and enrich that customer experience? So we're we're investigating a number of industry kind of level questions with the mm -hmm. research that we're doing mm -hmm. to help organizations tune and optimize their, their platform strategies. So I'm going to go in <clears throat> reverse order of the list that you gave here, which is platform talent, platform ecosystem and development, and then sort of a platform enrichment via sound. Cause I think that's a fascinating one. I'm going to, cause each of them begged, <laughs> you were rattling them off. I'm like, Oh, I got to ask a question, but I was holding off. I was holding off. So uh, when we talk <laughs> about sound and the touch points, cause I love this idea is, you know, by using a platform, it's not just about you, the enterprise, you, your employees, the ecosystem of other enterprises, you know, again, in the multi-tenancy of the platform that again makes the platform more powerful. But you bring up another point here is the platform can extend, right? Not only to uh, extend your touch points to that whole panoply of people that you are interacting with. And I actually have another one that I'm gonna say, you can actually take the platform and extend it into other platforms to get insights across the entire system. So for example, um, you know, we've started to write a white paper on sustainability and the fact that there are 60 gigatons of natural resources produced per year uh, that feed the global supply chain. 50% of those 60 gigatons are for food. The other 50% feeds the $12 trillion of procurement done by the global 2000 per year, right? So there's a direct connection there that you can begin to see, again, through a platform-enabled world. But I'm going to park that one for a second. Sound, that's an interesting one. So are you talking about how people like we're doing, like actually communicating and talking aud through audio and that is then translated in some way, shape or form? I'm kind of curious to, to see what you mean by that because that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. If you, um, if you think about, and, and again, this is, this is a highly specialized investigation, but, um, but if you think about your ecosystem um, very, very simply, you have a, a partner ecosystem, you have an employee um engagement within your ecosystem and you have customer engagement within your ecosystem. And if you think about all of the digital or experiential touch points across that, that ecosystem mm -hmm. that, um, that, that really translate into the brand experience that you are offering to your customers, your employees and your partners, there are a lot of um, very kind of subtle or explicit ways to introduce a very thoughtful approach to introducing sound uh, to change or improve that experience for customers, for employees, for partners. Um, so, as you mentioned, podcasting, <clears throat> excuse me, streaming audio, radio, <clears throat> live experiences, events, social media, uh, connected home, connected car, retail environments, um, transaction points, um, training and development, um, voice-enabled devices 
voice-enabled search, voice-enabled assistance. Um, so there, there are a lot of digital touch points Mm-hmm. That, that we've all just kind of evolved into as um, business professionals that, that could potentially be enriched. The, the brand, the signature brand of your organization, that brand experience could potentially be enriched with just a, a, a subtle and thoughtful overlay of the right sound experience. Mm. Um, wow. You, 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 I'm going to throw one out there for you because you just made me think about it and... <laughs> This is where conversations get fun. So <clears throat> I don't know if you've heard of a company called Forward. Uh, it's a medical company here in the Bay Area that's a startup. Uh, I think it's called Forward uh, yeah, Forward Medical. You can Google it and find it. But I, I literally yeah. just had an experience the other day where what you're describing, I saw happen, right? So uh, the entire experience is like a general practitioner. You go in, it's fully automated. Uh, everything about your initial kind of check-in is all digital. Um, they have an entire body scan machine kind of stand in at first to get your vitals and everything. They do blood uh, work that you know returns real-time results. But then the interesting part where I'm headed with sound is, when the doctor came in to review my results, we were in a room, we had giant screens up there. Um, she had no clipboard, no, 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 nothing. Everything was captured through audio and then transcribed and using AI um, put into the right spots in the medical record. It was in real time. It was this brilliant. Oh, it was, it was so amazing to see an experience because it's exactly what you're describing where you know, for me, sound, the sound translation into commands is the future of how we interact with technology. It's a means to control the technology. And we're just at the early stages of making that happen, you know, but eventually you know, yeah. we're not going to be typing anymore. It's all going to be audio. Right, right. I mean, technology honestly serves no purpose other than to elevate the human experience. Yep. Whether that's the customer or the team or the ecosystem, technology really only needs exist, but to elevate the human experience. Well said. And that, I, I love, I love examples like that. That's just brilliant. Yeah. Oh, you but, check it out. I mean, you'll see it. They do it a video on it. If people are listening and they, they yeah. pay, you know, pay attention, look at forward, look at the, the onboarding thing. It's an amazing example of where audio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in two, 5G is going to, as, as uh, IOT matures, as mm-hmm. AI machine learning and mature and become more pervasive um, and 5G rolls out um, as AR, VR mature, all of this is going to become uh, more accessible for yeah. all of us. They're, they're going to be more accessible tools for us to apply in, in the way that we design experiences for our customers, our teams, and our, our partners. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, well, let me, let me come back around kind of to a renaissance. So- Point one, it is, it is, you're absolutely right. And you make me think about, you know, what you said there very well, right, is, is technology is only there to elevate the human experience. That is, that is a quotable thing. So I'm writing that down and describing that to you because that is awesome. Um, but let me flip, though, back to the first point that you made was platform talent, right? This is, this is, this is, this is a, uh, a hot button topic right now. What the CV, what the, uh, you know, background, what the thinking, what the people that you're looking for, whether it's in supply chain or the enterprise, but... You know, people have to begin thinking in terms of platform, no matter where they are in the organization, what that means. So what, what, do, you, what do you guys mean by platform talent? Yeah, um, platform talent, it is such a, um, an interesting space right now. So um, very specifically, we are looking at the job postings on LinkedIn and, and other job boards and looking at the 
the velocity and the trends um, that are shaping um, how how businesses are um, able to execute against these platform um, business plans. So, mm-hmm. very very specifically, the the platform space as a whole, you know, is relatively speaking young, right? Yes. So um, platforms are are really becoming a um, a huge force in industry. Um, platform businesses are upending industries, but generally speaking, we don't have we don't have generations of experience in uh, in platform operations. So people people who have deep experience in designing and operating platforms are are somewhat unique. Mm. And we we found that it is um, it's difficult to just lift someone who has product experience and shift them over to a, a platform role and expect them to be successful without giving them more tools and, and more information. Um, so we're investigating a, a, a very active landscape of job postings mm. that are um, that are related to platform roles. Mm. And we're seeing a lot of trends mm-hmm. um, emerge from that data. Um, very specifically, we're seeing that that there are generally three categories of organizations that are thinking about platform businesses. Um, two of those two of those categories are digital natives. So okay. digital natives that are just building platform new platform businesses, digital natives that are beginning to replenish their talent pool, and mm-hmm. so mature platform businesses that that are now um, seeing some talent attrition and needing to replenish their their talent bench. And then thirdly, the legacy incumbents who are recognizing that they need to build some platform operations. Mm. So three categories of businesses are beginning to emerge in this landscape of, uh, of platform jobs. Gotcha. And then underneath that, the, the businesses, it's interesting to see how the businesses are designing their platform teams. Mm. Um, there, there are some very distinct roles that that are really kind of showing up across the the talent landscape uh strategy roles product management roles ecosystem management roles privacy and compliance and then data management and operations um but um we're finding that a lot of organizations when they're designing their teams and when they're designing the individual roles tend to over overload the requirements for the roles mm. and um, and then that makes it very difficult to find the right person for the role so you, you have to design the strategy then the kind of the org structure and then the underlying roles and and understand how to um, articulate what is truly needed in in that team structure mm. um, the the legacy incumbents are um, we're seeing a, a trend to um, for those legacy incumbents to kind of um, recruit talent from the digital natives to help them kind of leapfrog the learning curve, the organizational learning curve. So you almost have you almost have a, to right. You got to kind of throw someone in. It's like throwing a bomb into the middle of it, right? Like here's the <laughs> let's go get someone who's lived and breathed it, and ho- ho- hopefully exactly. through some sort of osmosis or change management or whatever that that you know kind of shake people loose to think differently. Exactly, exactly. No, it's um, it's a fascinating space. The um, the really the um, race for 
for platform talent is uh, a very competitive one right now. There's uh, just a, a tremendous, um, a tremendous kind of level of activity mm. in the um, the jobs landscape on the um, uh, you know on the the platform front. There are a lot of folks looking for platform teams and platform talent. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's a good segue into kind of you know just what's going on in the future. I mean, you sort of described it here, but what you know what looking forward and maybe maybe even in light of because of course you got to do it because it's timely. But with all the the, the COVID and pandemic, you know, viral scares are going on right now, you know, platforms may even become more uh, valuable, you know, moving forward to sort of, you know, enable the digital engagement versus physical engagement, uh, just to prevent something like we're seeing now the shock to the system and kind of everything shut down because if everything were digitized right now, there wouldn't be as much uh, issue uh, with the system. Uh, itself, um, but looking you know, looking forward, like yeah. what, what what are you kind of seeing happening? I mean, even tying to the COVID, like what you know, what, what just sort of parting thoughts and kind of where things are going. Yeah, absolutely. No, and um, I, I think you know you'll probably um, I'm sure you're you're seeing this as well. But in ecosystem, the the linear models, the the linear, um, especially if we look at supply chain, right? A linear kind of rigid um, approach to sourcing outcomes from a fixed set of approved resources um, just has inherent fragility, mm-hmm. right? And in times of great uncertainty and change, volatility like this, you know, the the COVID situation, we, we see a lot of fragility and risk in traditional supply chains because they they are fixed in mm-hmm. many cases. And uh, if if you instead, right, and in contrast, if you have a a, a well-articulated ecosystem with um, a, a great degree of optionality designed into that ecosystem, it it can make it easier to move move work streams around, and mm-hmm. um, it can give you greater flexibility to move transaction to to areas of of lower risk or de-risk a um, basically an operating system. Mm-hmm. So, marketplace approach versus pipeline approach to supply chain management, if it's designed well, mm-hmm. if it's orchestrated well, can you give you greater flexibility and freedom to move things around? Well, listen, I, I, we're, we're coming up here. It has been just an incredible conversation, um, incredibly insightful. Uh, you know, I think the parallels of what you've seen, not only in your career, but within GE and then what we're seeing kind of macro, uh, even today with what's going on with COVID, right? I mean, it's platforms, everything, right? It is, it is, it's the way of the world. It, 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 it's, it's not something that anyone should be shocked at at this point, but it's almost just kind of articulating what's already happening naturally. Um, it, it, you know, it's a fascinating time, not only to be in the enterprise digitization space, but platforms in particular, because I think you know, 10 years from now, everything will be on a digital platform. I mean, if it, if it isn't already, it's moving that direction anyway. Yeah. 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 Completely agree. Yeah. So, so awesome. So thank you so much. I really appreciate the time that you took with us. It was a really fascinating conversation and um, you know, I hope you have just a wonderful day. Thanks. Thanks. You too.